Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Pro-Am Disc Golf. I am Gavin Goodwin. And I am Chris Telesbo. And I am the AM, and Chris here is a pro. Yeah, Chris is our pro. So this is a show that uh, we want to, well, we like disc golf, and we want to share that with you guys. And um, I can guarantee you that you likely fall in between Chris and I on skill levels on the course. So uh, I am I am very much an amateur, very much not good at disc golf. And and Chris is a pro. Who do you play for, Chris? Uh, I'm sponsored by Dynamic Discs, and I've been with them for a few years. Is that your only sponsor right now? Uh, and Whale Sacks. Whale Sacks, which but, is uh, Tina Stenitis. Yeah, Tina Stenitis's company. Man. My best friend, and I still can't say her name. Why is the, But that's Tina Stenitis's company. Tina Stenitis is easier to say than Tina Stenitis's company. Stenitis's company tonight is come that's a tongue twister yeah that's a hard part yeah jeez <laughs> she should we should come up with a different word for company for enterprise very soon she may be tina oakley which is much easier to say oh for reals yeah they're getting married in august that's like official out there and yep. everything they're engaged the, the well, date has been saved congratulations guys that's awesome yeah are they are they getting married on the, like just on the road just gonna pull over at a chapel uh, they're getting married in nantucket island Actually. Oh, good for them. Is there a tournament out there? Yeah, I think it's the week before Worlds. I could be wrong. So, again, this is a show for everybody that's into disc golf. But if you don't know who Tina and Eric are, they're DD players, dynamic disc players, who are uh, really good friends of Chris's. Mm-hmm. Um, so Chris and I are, live in Salt Lake City, and that's where Eric is from and kind of ish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, we'll get his story sometime. Yeah, we'll get them in and, and, and talk about it. But that's – congratulations. Good for them. So they – they live uh, – we, we really would like to have them in and, and talk with us sometime and share their story. But if you're not aware, um, they've got Tina's RV, and they travel the country. They're touring profe- disc golf professionals. Mm-hmm. Like they it's they tour fantastic. full-time. Yeah. So between the Whale Sacks Company and Dynamic Discs and the RV, that's pretty much their life. That's their life. Yeah. And it's it's pretty great. And they, they, they're pretty active on social media, so go look them up. Yeah, look up Whale Pants. Whale Pants, yes. Yeah. Got some whale pants discs, and go. I've got a whale, I've got your whale sack actually with the space whale. Yeah. Now, um, why does it have? Why, why is it a space whale, Chris? What what's? Why is so much of your signature stuff space themed? So I'm a disc golfer second. My first job is graduate school. I'm working on a PhD in astrophysics. So everything about me is space. Uh, my fundraiser discs are always space. I have glow in the dark space whale sacks from Tina. And I just, space comes first, disc golf is second, but it's close these days. Yeah, and uh, I can't really blame you for that. So we're actually recording uh, in one of the buildings that Chris studies in mm-hmm. on campus. I was studying 10 minutes ago. Yeah, and they've got these great study rooms that we just commandeered for, for our recording studio. But I went to use the restroom over there, and um, I'm a college graduate, but I have a, a undergraduate degree in um, history, so humanities, and then a graduate degree in business. All, and all of my time at school, I've never seen what I saw over at the restrooms here in the engineering building, which is a shower. <laughs> <laughs> that shows how hardcore engineering classes are, where you, you look at your watch and you go, okay, I just need to go take a shower. Like, I'm not going to get home and go sleep. Mm-hmm. I just need to take a shower and then go back to class. Mm-hmm. I've so. seen many people sleep here. Uh, I, of course. That's a thing. Yeah. If, if people slept in my building, they were homeless people who snuck in. Like, that was... Oh, seen that too. <laughs> or occasionally like a frat dude would pass out and just like, I don't think you belong in this building, but you know, pull his coat up over him yep, and just keep let him warm. Yeah. <laughs> Courtesies. Um, well, thank you for, for joining us and for listening with us. And uh, 
we we really appreciate it. So we're going to start this first episode with something that we call your disc golf story. And this is how you got into disc golf, why, where, uh, well, how you got into it and how you've managed to not leave it so far. So what's, what's your disc golf story, Chris? So I got into disc golf, oh boy, 2018, six, seven years ago now. Uh, a friend of mine took me out. I had no idea what it was, and I was terrible. Like most people who start, it's kind of not natural. Um, but I have this thing with hobbies where I'm not good at being bad at things. So I obsessed with it until I was good. And then I met Eric Oakley, who's like, hey, man, you need to come play tournaments with me. I said, what's the tournament? Like, okay. So kind of Eric got me into the competitive scene. And I mean, I just got into it by chance and got addicted and met a good person at a good time. So he's the one who got you into like really seriously playing. Mm-hmm. He's the one who made me play my first tournament. Now, who, who uh, was sponsored first, you or him? By dynamic me. Okay. He was a Discmania rep or some some equivalent of like He was a, working for Discmania, yeah. but not necessarily as an athlete. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then you got him on team dynamic. I didn't do it, well, but you I put in a good word. Yeah. yeah. He he got himself on there. Yeah, he did. If you've seen Eric play, he's he can he got himself on there. Yeah. If you ever meet the guy, you'll understand why. He is the loudest, most obnoxious in a good way person you'll ever meet. <laughs> I've only met him once, maybe twice, but memorable. Yeah. Good guy. Mm-hmm. Um and so, uh, you now that was just playing tournaments here locally in Salt Lake mm-hmm. area? Or? Yeah, so the first tournament was a little local A tier, which I didn't know was a big thing at the time. And I played in now, advanced. Uh, just because we got listeners, hopefully, of all different levels. All right. What's it, what, find the tiers real quick. So you said A tier tournament. Um, so the PDGA is the governing body of most disc golf tournaments. Professional Disc Golf Association. Just mm-hmm. like the PGA parallel. Um, and they have majors and NTs, which are the biggest tournaments of the year. What does NT stand for? National Tour. Okay. So there's a series throughout the year um, that pros compete for national tour points as like an award at the end of the year. Um, and then A tier is next, and then B tier below that, C tier below that, and then you can do unsanctioned events as well sure. that aren't through the PDGA. Yeah. And the biggest difference between them is cash added. So the definition of each one, I'm not going to say numbers because I'll probably get them wrong. But as you move up that tier, you have to add more cash to the pro to the purse. Pot. Okay. Yeah. Purse, I guess, is a better, better word than pot. <laughs> um, so so B tier, if you're, if you're winning a C tier tournament, maybe you paid for your gas to get to the tournament. If yeah. you're winning an A tier tournament, you might have paid for your plane ticket to mm-hmm. get out to the tournament. Yeah. And, and if mean, you're winning a major, I'm guessing it's a little bit more than that. Mm-hmm. And you can look up on the PDGA.com, what Paul the, McGrath or Ricky. Yeah. I mean, the, the majors and NTs are probably 5,000-ish for first place. Yeah. Whereas an A tier, you know. 500 or a thousand depending on how big it is so um which is to say it's a labor of love disc golf is we don't play for the money yeah except for those 10 people i think if you're playing on the pga tour unless you're just scraping the bottom of the barrel like and barely staying on the tour you're you're supporting yourself playing golf uh i think you've how many people do you think Okay, Eric and Tina are an anomaly because they've just adjusted their lifestyle to disc golf. Mm-hmm. But how many people, um, like me, I'm a father. I've got three kids. How many people on the tour that actually play disc golf for a living do you think could support a family on disc golf? Including sponsorship money? From- yes, including like whatever they can. I mean, and the more like personable you are, the, the higher, the more sponsors you're going to pull in probably. But. I would guess currently probably 25 people okay. make enough money to support themselves and maybe – significant other or a kid or something yeah which is that's actually more than i thought i thought it was going to be like single digits i know i know so. for sure four could yeah 
but I'm going to be optimistic and say 2025. Yeah, which is probably an improvement over years past too, because the sport is growing and it's mm-hmm. and the the prize money is getting a little bit better. But it's a uh, it, it's a sport that that you just love to play. It's not something that you mm-hmm. do to get rich and famous. Mm-hmm. I am a pro, but I am not in those 20 that make a living. No, it, so. no. Hence the, the rocket science. Yeah. Backup plan. <laughs> I like when your PhD is your fallback. <laughs> um, you know, we can't all be Ricky and Paul. <laughs> no, no, we can't. Um, and, and, and yeah, I, I can't even be Crystal Lesbo. Um, all right, so, so my story, my disc golf story. Um, I heard about disc golf. I was somewhat always aware of it. I liked throwing a Frisbee. None of my friends ever seemed as interested in it as I was. I would bring a Frisbee to lunch sometimes in high school, and I learned a, a rule. And these are always just like catch discs, you know, like ultimate discs that you were playing catch with. Uh, but I learned just it seems to be – I don't know where on Newton's Law it would fall, like maybe number 27. <laughs> but if you are playing catch with a Frisbee, someone who's not playing will get hit in the head. Like it's mm-hmm. it's just inevitable. Uh, you can be playing in an empty field, and someone will figure out how to get hit in the head that's not playing. So, um, but I always was fascinated just by the flight of a disc. I, it's something that is just interesting to me. And uh, heard about disc golf, thought that would be really fun. Didn't know of any courses around me. And when I kind of looked into it a little bit, I was honestly a little bit intimidated by uh, the um, what? How can I say this politely? Stigma. The, the stigma of disc golfers. And it's not necessarily uh, as I've been as I've you know gotten played more, I've found out that it's not true. But it's definitely there. There's, you know, a lot of people that look like hippies but are not as friendly <laughs> as hippies, so to speak. And uh it, it just wasn't a culture that I thought I was really gonna be excited about joining. Mm-hmm. Um so I didn't play and then uh after about, I don't know, when I was an undergrad, so a few years, you know, I'd, I'd heard about the sport probably 10 years before, but I was working at a sporting goods store that sold discs. We sold uh, Innova and um, Discraft, I know, because I got a couple of those, but beyond that, I don't know what we sold. But that being said, we were probably the largest disc golf store in the county mm-hmm. with our two racks of discs. <laughs> uh, but the, the guys that worked there, we'd go play after work sometimes. So I picked up, you know, 10 discs or five discs, whatever it was. And uh, this was in Provo, Utah. And we'd go play at, um, I think, Rotary Park. I'm not sure what the name of it is. Bicentennial Park. I don't know. It's a course that uh, I haven't played since then. <laughs> but did that for a few months and then left that job and put my discs away. Never got rid of them because I always had fun playing. And then uh, got married, had three kids. <laughs> And just last spring, so about probably nine months ago, nine, ten months ago, pulled my discs out and started playing uh, here, just locally, and uh, had been pretty pretty gung-ho ever since. Um, I was looking at my disc collection now and realizing, like, oh, I've, I've spent a lot on discs. <laughs> just wait. I, I know. Just wait. But I've... Uh, um, people say it's a cheap sport, and it is, relatively speaking, but I've still managed to spend probably too much money on disc golf Mm -hmm. so uh and that's that's me my first uh tournament that i ever played was a trilogy challenge that you sponsored um and if you're not familiar with that it's a great event there they happen all over the country all over the world i guess Mm -hmm. right um where 
dynamic disks, Latitude 64, and Westside disks each supply a disk, and you get three disks, and that's what you get to play the round mm-hmm. with. And it's it's non-sanctioned, right? Correct. Yeah, it's just a really fun event and uh, was incredibly frustrating. Because if you played the trilogy last year, you know about the River Pro. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, it did not did not fly well for me. Uh, oh, man. Since then, I played maybe I played one more tournament, and that was a C tier that we just had this month, and just barely registered with PDGA. So I am uh, I'm new to the sport. So I, I've I've been playing for over a decade, but I've really been playing for less than a year. So so that's where I'm at. Okay. Um, and uh, so we've got we we reached out to the community <coughs> and uh, our local community here. Hopefully, we can build a larger community, and we want you to s- supply us with questions if you've got anything. Um, what is our Gmail address? Is proam disc golf proam disc golf all one word com. all one word no, no hyphen yeah proam disc golf at gmail.com. Write in with questions. Um, if you've got questions for a pro, ask Chris. If you've got questions for an amateur, ask me, and uh, or I'll try to answer the pro questions and muddle my way through them. So, mm-hmm. uh, but we want this to be a nice community where everybody can can come, and no question is too dumb. If you don't know what tags are, which I didn't for a long time, ask. Uh, by the way, I still don't really know what tags are. I've got one. <laughs> it's very high, <laughs> but I've never. I, I might have you beat right now. Uh, well, I had to leave early, so they just gave me a high tag. But I might still have a big. What, what's your number right 80. now? We're really close. I think we need to go do a tag round. Okay, I'm 91. Oh yes. But that was I, I had to take off okay. early, so I didn't. We'll go play for him. But I think I earned probably higher than where you are right now. How'd you get 80? I just gave mine away. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. cheating. I, no, it's not. Someone cheating. needed one. There you go. I had one. Oh, and then they just gave you. And I just took a new one. Took yeah. what was left. Okay. Um, so. Uh, yeah, and that's that's something that we'll update you on too. Is you know where where we're standing in our local mm-hmm. club. Uh, I'm currently 91. Chris is technically 80. Yeah. So, um, but uh, if you have so so we we did get a question that I thought was um, pretty interesting. Um, and uh, it, I'm trying to pull it up right now. Actually, I've got a screen cap of it. So here we go. This is from Tanner Black. And uh, he's wanting to know what we think the best way to grow the sport is. Is it juniors, bigger sponsors, and what can a local do to help grow the sport in their area? So why don't you take the first one first? What, what do you think is the best way to grow the sport? Oh, boy, that's a big question. Um, I think the best way to grow the sport is to do anything to actually grow it, whether that is taking a friend who's never played or taking somebody's kid or your sibling or somebody young who has time to learn and kind of grow into the sport all super helpful um growing the sport on a bigger scale not so much what an individual can do locally i think big sponsors are needed yeah i mean i've seen footage from the 90s where coca-cola was sponsoring tournaments and i mean that that kind of title sponsor went away and i don't know what happened yeah i wonder how did that i don't know between the 90s and 2010 ish I don't know what happened to disc golf. I wasn't playing. So if anybody knows, please let me know. I'm curious. Um, But I feel like we're making good progress again. We've got a bunch of good people pushing the boundaries with where it's going. Are there any, um, I mean, I know I hear about like Keen and Adidas Mm -hmm. are are sponsored some athletes, but are there any like major sponsors for tournaments, like big tournaments Um, that are not, that are outside of the disc golf uh, industry? 
the because mm, I mean Innova sponsors tournaments, Discraft sponsors yeah. tournaments, or uh, you know Dynamic sponsors tournaments. I think a lot of the big sponsors are still in the disc golf community. Um, Adidas is probably the first big external company to jump in. Yeah. And for example, the Las Vegas Challenge that's coming up, they've put in, I think it's between fifty and seventy-five thousand dollars worth of stuff. Oh wow! To the event. Is that now? That's not purse money. That's no. Just but they've they've title sponsored one of the three courses that they play down there, and they've I don't know if it's player pack. I don't know if it's discount codes. Oh wow! But their contribution. So it's a significant. Their contribution is significant. Wow! Good yeah. for them. And this is their second year doing it, which is nice. good that they came back. Yeah, I I've got Adidas stuff, so that's good. Yeah, I play in them. <laughs> yeah. Guilty. Do you? Do you? Mm-hmm. Uh, I did until mine wore out. Now I'm in Keens, but that was just because it was a cheap pair of Gore-Tex shoes I found. <laughs> we, where we live, you need Gore-Tex. Yes, yes, yes. Utah has snow. Um, so, uh, so locally, you think it's just grow the sport. So take somebody out, just do it. So th- I, I guess locally was kind of what you were saying. Just take a buddy out, get somebody else, get somebody with a disc in their hand, throwing it, and seeing how mm-hmm. fun it is. I think I think the biggest thing you can do locally is get new people playing because we need numbers growth. We need okay. more people playing. For more traction on a bigger scale, um, I I really tend to agree with you. I think it's pretty holistic too, and that uh, one thing doesn't come without the other. Um, I was listening to another disc golf podcast. It was a disc golf answer man. I'll, I have no problem <laughs> supporting somebody else's show, uh, and they they were asked the same question, and that may be where Tanner was <laughs> inspired by. But uh, one of the things that they brought up as a uh, possibility to grow the sport or something that might be holding the sport back is what we talked about a few minutes ago is the kind of perceived stigma of the sport. I think they called it the old hippie image, but mm-hmm. um, I know it's not really a hippie image that I'm seeing. And I don't know if that's so locally there's um, PDGA recently made a rule uh, banning uh, tobacco products from Major tournaments and NTs and A level tournaments, right? So NT and major, NT and major. So just the top top tournaments. Um, and I joked with somebody that uh, I think I may even told you this. My guess for that, at least I think part of it, is that they want if they want to be on ESPN, if they want disc golf on TV, they've got to at least get some pictures where there's not vape clouds <laughs> hanging over the course. And, uh, but that's that's really a lot of what you see when you go around. It's um, you'll see, and, and this is the worst of it, you know, but. You'll see a mob group come through with 20 people teeing off on one hole. They've got their uh, their speakers blasting Pantera or whatever else, and and three different people playing speakers, all playing different songs, all the same volume, all smoking, all drinking, and just not not letting anybody play through. And and it's uh it's just kind of a it's not a good image, I think, mm-hmm. for the sport. So they were. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? Because they were saying maybe that's something that. Well, I'm, I'm not putting words in their mouth. They weren't saying that, but that was one of the things they discussed mm-hmm. as a possibility of what was holding the sport back or keeping it from growing. And I, I mean, I don't want to knock, be careful knock on any decisions yeah. here, but disc golf to me is very separate from these social situations. And I see no problem with like professional disc golf going a different direction from that. I think the top players in the world are doing a great job. They're all great examples. They're all dressed nicely. They're all courteous. They're all nice people to be around. Yeah. And I don't think that the people who go to the park to have a good time are going to stop doing that. So I think we just try to steer the masses in the professional direction, and we can let that be its standalone sport, is this professional disc golf. Because the 
I don't use the word froff very often, but froff to me is sort of that other direction. I, I like that. We'll, we'll come up with our own glossary terms. Yeah, froff is froff is fun in the park, and disc golf is the competitive professional side. All right. about that? I like that. Uh, I do. I like that. I like kind of the distinction there, and it's. Um, I, yeah, I don't want to deny anybody something that it, that mm-hmm. they enjoy, um, but that being said, a lot of the, at least all the courses around here mm-hmm. um, that I'm, gosh, even the private courses, the only private course that I'm aware of here, fully private on private land, is uh, canyons, but all those places you, you're not allowed to smoke, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not allowed to drink, like it's it's yeah. posted, um, people ignore it, mm-hmm. you know, as they do, but. Uh, makes me so i don't i don't want to uh alienate anybody from the sport but it's not something that i i'm not excited to bring my kid Mm. to a park where maybe they're going to be hearing you know loud music that's very much not something that i want my kids hearing Mm -hmm. and if when they're teenagers they can decide what they want to listen to but they're young at this point and i you know if we want to join up with another group i don't want them having to smell their their vape or their tobacco and Mm -hmm. so uh i kind of like what you're saying there that it's it's it's, hopefully it it can kind of divulge and i think probably part of that is just kind of growing a sport when you're saying that it made me think um my one of my other lives my my other passion is skiing and that's i've been skiing since i was two or three years old and Mm -hmm. i actually uh teach skiing professionally part-time so um but there's uh, snowboarding had that stigma with it mm-hmm. for a long time. And, and to some people, it still does. But most snowboarders you meet now, um, they're indistinguishable from skiers if you meet them just up in the hill. As long as you're not looking at their boots, mm-hmm. you know, they're, the attitudes are the same. But there is still that segment that just, you know, brings a backpack full of beer, goes and hides in the woods, and cracks their beers and drinks. And, but I think that's more what they're there for. And I think there's, there's that segment of disc golf. And there's the the segment that hopefully is enjoying the sport beyond that mm-hmm. a little bit because there's there's room for everybody, but uh, I so I think if we can create a to use a term that is is a little bit of a loaded term a safe space for for families to feel like they can go out and try the sport and feel like hey I'm not going to be intimidated going mm-hmm. out here I'm not going to be shouted off a hole I'm going to be welcome if I bring my my you know kids and it takes us 25 tosses to get down you know a 200 foot course or 200 foot hole um, I think if you can do that and you can get the kids interested in the sport then you get the parents mm-hmm. supporting the sport you get parents starting leagues you get and I think that's um, I think that's really the way to grow the sport is to get kids into disc golf so yeah I agree um, and then locally, I guess it would be the same thing. Just, you know. We need new people playing. Yeah. And, yeah. like, I mean, I got I got hooked from a friend taking me one time. And I remember him being incredible. Yeah. Thinking back, he was totally mediocre. But he was significantly better than me, and that was enough to get me hooked. Yeah. And once you get that full flight the first time, it's like a whole new world. You get hooked again. Yeah. And well, and then when you – I thought I've had it. And then today I actually had it like, oh, I was mm-hmm. not playing today. Exactly. It's like, oh yeah, that's yeah. I, I got another fifteen yards, twenty yards, mm-hmm. and I think I, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm in birdie range on a hole that was maybe a four for me mm-hmm. before. So I remember distinctly my first good flight. 
I don't remember who gave me the tip on how to do it, but I remember the hole, I remember the flight, I remember the disc. I don't remember the day of the week, but pretty much everything else is yeah. clear. Yeah. Now, I, I think back to the guys that I started playing with, and one of them seemed way better, and I think he's probably playing about where I am now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But he was, he, was, he was top dog on our little crew. So It's all relative. Well, uh, thank you guys for joining us. We really appreciate you. Um, please email us, uh, proamdiscgolf at gmail.com. Uh, look us up on Facebook, uh, Pro Am Disc Golf on Facebook. And um, we're going to, uh, as we go, we'll get some more Instagram, uh, Twitter, things like that going. And please give us questions, comments, um, rate us and review us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, however you're listening to us. And uh, we appreciate you out there. And from uh, Gavin and Chris, go throw some plastic. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks.